Hi, everybody, and welcome to Phillies Backstage. I'm Tom Burgoyne, joined by John Brazier. How you doing there, John? Good, Tom. How you doing? Ah, it's, been, it's been like the nicest weather in September maybe we've ever had. I mean, definitely hot. <laughs> it's I mean, hot. It's we're just waiting, been We're waiting awesome. for fall to happen, but it's not. We are in the, as usual, Richie Ashburn broadcast booth at Citizens Bank Park. We're looking out at a beautiful uh, sunny day and uh, the final weekend here, John. Disappointing, right? I mean, uh, it's tough when you're expecting a good season and you don't, and we fall a little flat. I mean, it's sometimes it's better. We, you know, we're gonna have Tommy Green in here later. You know, that '93 season, nobody expected it. We were in last place the year before. We brought in a bunch of has-beens, and it wound up sneaking up on everybody. Seasons like this are tough, though, because you expect a lot more. Right, especially obviously the off-season when you get JT Real Muto, you get Segura, and then obviously the. Uh, and, you know, other moves, and then the, the big, you know, icing on the cake was getting Bryce Harper, and that was in spring training. And there's this palpable buzz, and everybody's really excited. And season ticket sales going up. And then we start off with Atlanta, and just and we're doing great against Atlanta in that first series, and did well, you know, through the first couple of months. And then all of a sudden, the wheels started falling off. And yep. so, yes, it's been one of the more, you know, this is my 26th season uh, that's wrapping up, and uh, it, it ranks. You know, it, it ranks very low because <laughs> the expectations. I mean, we've yeah. obviously had much worse years. You know, we're still going to finish. Uh, not sure where we're going to finish, but, you know, but we're not going to have the first draft pick. Yeah. But at the same time, expectations for us to be a not just a playoff team, but a team that can do some serious business in the, in the playoffs. And, yeah. and now we're going to be on the sidelines. But we do have Fan Appreciation we Day have on Sunday. Fan Appreciation Day. And just even looking at uh, next year, too, John, it's like I feel like all the pieces are in place. We have a great nucleus. And I really believe when we hit spring training next year, we're going to be fired up again because I think uh, we're yep. going to be And it's going to be a very right important offseason for us. But you did mention Fan Appreciation. Day. It's going to be another classic. It's always fun. I mean, even we listen, we've had years, John, where we've lost more than what we've lost this right. year. And Fan Appreciation Day is always a happy day. You know, we're giving out the gifts. It's just a lot of surprises. We always say prizes and surprises. We got a lot of surprises in store. Uh, a lot of fun on Sunday. We're giving away a car, right? The Toyota Corolla. And there's a sweepstakes. Yep. 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 So it's going to be fun. Uh, and the Fanatic. Last weekend had fun in Cleveland. Did uh, you know the fanatic was in Cleveland? Did you? I, did they show that on? Um, they back might have. Uh, they might have. I'm yeah, not sure. I but I know Denny Lehman, yes. who preceded me here at the Phillies. Denny Lehman uh, yes. had been here for a long time, and then he left to go to Cleveland. So he was a longtime Indians exec, and you guys all went out for his retirement. That was the reason the fanatic went out. He had a 19-year, <clears throat> 20-year career here with the Phillies. Uh, he he closed down Connie Mack, and then he left in '88, uh, and then he he wound up becoming uh, the president in the Cleveland Indians, worked there for 30 years. So it was a 50-year career, hard to believe, guy from Roxborough. Uh, and we thought, hey, we're going to surprise him. We had some Phillies people go out for his big party, uh, and we got the Fanatic out there, unbeknownst to him. Uh, because the fact is, John, he played a vital role in bringing the Fanatic from the Galapagos Islands to Philadelphia. It was kind of, it was really, you know, he was the one who talked to Bill Giles and thought about, hey, we got to get the Fanatic over here. So uh, so that was pretty cool. They had the Fanatic come out onto the field with Slider, their mascot, right after they did this video tribute to Denny. Uh, and then uh, they had a big party for him in one of the suites during the game. And the Fanatic did get a chance in the fifth inning to be part of one of Slider's skits, which they have a mascot race. Seems like everybody has mascot races. Uh, they have the ketchup, the onion, and the mustard race uh, in the fifth inning. And on this particular night, <laughs> Ketchup had a, a commanding lead coming around home plate, and Slider and a Fanatic took him out. Hmm. Um, 
But the Fnatic did the right thing. He, he kind of gave him CPR, little mouth-to-mouth resuscitation on the ketchup. And uh, sure enough, the, the ketchup was uh, revitalized. And what was Slider doing this, during this whole time? <laughs> he was amazed that the Fnatic brought the ketchup back to life. He's standing right. there. He couldn't believe it. Yes, that the oh, Fnatic, wow. uh, you know, he's a you know, doctor. He was, I think he was pre-law or pre-med, uh, the Fnatic, back in the Galapagos Islands. Must have been pre-med. <laughs> now, also, one of our guests uh, this year, or was it last year? I guess it was last year. What's that? Uh, is having their last Fan Appreciation yeah. Day, Chrissy she was Long. Our f- she was our first guest on Phillies Backstage. She yeah. was our first guest. Yeah, and last she's year. Gonna have, she is retiring, and she's been here. For this, I think this is her 49th season. Unbelievable. 49 seasons. And she's the one, Chris Long, if you didn't listen to the podcast, she is the one that's uh, been in charge since 71 of the National Anthems, First Pitches, all the crazy entertainment that went on with Kite Man and Cannon Man and Rocket Man and Benny the Bomb and all that. Uh, great Walenda. I mean, she was the one that had to execute all of Bill Giles and <laughs> wacky schemes, right? That is and exactly uh, right. And she was a big part also bringing the, the fanatic. fanatic. She was like the, the great aunt to the fanatic. She really was. The mother of the fanatic. The That's what I fanatic. call her. She's the fanatic's mom. But, um, you know, think all the rings, you know, the uh, ring ceremonies, the um, wall of fame ceremonies, retirement ceremonies, every, all the military tributes. They yep. All that, which the Phillies are really known for. Yes, and, they, and and she's gotten more awards and plaques mm. and ribbons and medals from the military yeah. itself and different branches for all the work she's done with them. So uh, uh, I'm going to miss her because she's literally – her office is right next to mine. Yeah. So uh, I'm a little uh, worried because I don't know who's going to be moving into that office. Do I have any say in that <laughs> Well, time? I'm going to be worried because she's usually the one keeping tabs on you, John. It's keeping you, uh, sh- you know, uh, straight and narrow. But now, you know, you're going to run roughshod down there. Well, I thought maybe you were going to move <laughs> next to me. Can you move in next to me? I don't think they want us together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's probably bad news. I am going to miss Chrissy like you can't believe, John. Uh, she was here. Uh, she was a big part of uh, why I am here. She's the one who called me and told me I got the job. She was the one when I first got here to the job. I, I come in. I'm, yeah, I got my tie and a sport coat on, and I was going to go over the fanatic schedule with her. Uh, you know, and I sit. And I got my paper and pen and I'm you know and I'm all nervous and uh, she was the one I was reporting to and um, she's just always been such a support and always had my back and just been the best friend I've had here at the Phillies so uh, it's going to be tough to see Chrissy go but uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun on Sunday Uh, I think uh, we're going to have a good time with Chrissy so um, so hopefully you can make it out there folks come on down on Sunday Um, but guess what John we have Tommy Green coming into the Richie Ashburn broadcast booth. I'm looking forward to uh, work. Uh, obviously, I work with Tommy every Sunday, yeah. so uh, looking forward I to having him I can't believe we haven't had him in. We've had a bunch of other I 93 know. guys. So finally, Tita Green's here, and uh, we'll bring him in right after we're, this. We're, we're going to have to get him out of a what? shell, too, by the way. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, we'll be with Tommy Green in just a bit. And we are back, Phillies backstage, and T the Green, Tommy Green is here. How you doing, Tommy? How you doing, pal? I, why did it take two years to get you in as a guest? Good question, uh, and that was probably my fault because I and I'm here because <laughs> I thought they asked Brazier, why haven't you gotten me on here yet? It's, so it's all John's fault. I've been telling Tommy, oh, we got this, we got so and so this week. Oh, we got so and so this week, and then finally he said. You never had me on. I'm like, okay. I said, what's going on? He's bigger than me, so I said, you're on. Uh, 
Wow, well, it's great to have you. You know, uh, you know, John and I were just talking. We opened up the show, uh, T, by saying, uh, and we don't talk too much baseball on the show. You know, we like to get into. Good. Do we talk anything a, a little bit? But I, I gotta say, I mean, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a tough weekend for us. You know, we were talking about the optimism we all had at spring training, oh, especially yeah. when we were making the moves and we brought in the players we brought in. Um, what, you know, what's your kind of assessment of where we are now and and uh, what might uh, next year look like? Well, I tell you. Uh, um, you hit it on the head about the excitement and stuff in spring training and the moves they made. And, and there's a lot of things that happened, uh, a lot of injuries. Um, and that's part of baseball. Uh, and they have to kind of reshuffle. We had that back in the early 90s. We had the core team, core group of the guys on that 93 team in there in the early 90s too. We had sort of the, sort of the same issues they're having here. And it's about piecing it together and staying healthy. Uh, getting the pitching when you need it and, and, and hitting when you need it. it kind of They just didn't ever, to me, really gel together at the same time. So and maybe you're saying they, this the is... pieces are there. I think yeah. the main pieces of this club are there. Uh, they got uh, the possibility of a couple guys pitching that are there. I still think they need uh, another starting pitcher. So you're saying this is 1992. Oh, and nice. all we need is like a Danny Jackson. One and two. One and two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I then... mean, 91, 92, we had that core group. And we, uh, and in 92, especially when she'll come along, and but we still had trouble with a little bit of injuries and stuff that we couldn't, it didn't ever come, and then boom. And, and you know, hit. we were at, we were hoping that uh, you know guys like Pivetta and Eflin and Velasquez would hit, and you know, you know, mean, meaning have some success this year, and uh, you know that didn't quite happen. But we were banking yeah. on yeah, that yeah, going yeah, into yeah, the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you I mean, you're hoping you got to have that. You got to have some people step up and 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 stay healthy and and be able to contribute. And and it's not you're not asking them forward to be great. You're asking them to be consistent. Yeah. And 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 when things start happening. You know, it just happens that way. Uh, I mean, that's just a game of baseball. As much, as much as I'd like to see him win it and stuff, sometimes you go through these trials and tribulations to make you, you know I mean, yeah. to make you better. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, can, are we done the baseball part? <laughs> yeah, we got plenty. Of okay, what are we doing back. now? Are we talking music? I want to go back now. Tommy, I made a mistake because uh, uh, listeners probably don't know this, but Tommy and I have been doing a radio show for, for many, years. many years together. Uh, so, I see you every Sunday. Um, but the question is, Wikipedia. One time we had uh, Jay Wright on the on their radio show. Okay. And I took the Wikipedia of Jay Wright and I said during the middle of the interview I said Jay I can't believe you scored 67 points one time against Malvern Prep. Ben Davis, you know, would be he's gonna be shocked when he hears that. He said I did what? <laughs> did and, what? I, and all of a sudden I said Oh, you're oh, you're, boy, you're, dig, I, you're dig going back in the vault digging up Wikipedia, random facts. That's right. I said Wikipedia cannot. You know, I'm never trusting Wikipedia again. And sure enough, I I bring you up. I, obviously, I know you backwards and forwards, but yeah. I figured I'd, you know, maybe I'll glean something from this uh, Wikipedia page. <laughs> and here's what it says, ready? If this is true, holy moly, ready? It said, as a senior, yeah. you hit 490 and you recorded a 0 0.07 Earn run average. What does that mean? With 270 Zero, strikeouts. 270 strikeouts and 124 batters <laughs> in innings. Is that correct? Yes. How do you get a 0.07 ERA? Is that like one run in like 
200 innings. Well, in, two, in 124 <laughs> no innings. Right, right. I mean, it's like no earned runs. And <laughs> right. It's not that you and, don't give up nine, runs. I mean, some people make errors. Nine, no, nine hitters. no hitters in high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was Wikipedia in you too, T, you know. <laughs> well, and Tommy, this is the thing. Yeah. John and I, when we've had some other players uh, in here, we've, we've always asked, like, were you the best kid, like, playing baseball in high school? And obviously, when you look at these stats, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I did 490 ever, and nine no hitters in high school. Were kids just shaking <laughs> when they'd come up to plate, you know? Well, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> And it, but uh, you run in back where I'm from. I mean, I'm not from a big area. I mean, but we played good baseball down there, Legion ball, and and uh, and, and had some quality athletes down there. But you in high school, you're running when you know, I mean, I was a full grown guy. What you saw me pitching here in the big leagues is what I was my senior year in high school. Yeah. I mean, I was six five, two thirty. And throwing and how I mean, fast? Like, T, what th- were you throwing? Throwing like, like I was throwing yeah. there. You right? know what I mean? It was 94 to 98. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, and, you imagine being but in I didn't have the breaking. I didn't have the breaking balls. I didn't have the breaking okay. ball because yeah. I didn't need it. Yeah. In high school, it was about – I mean, really, my high school coach really – it was one of the, pure, the purest things that he could ever say to me that it meant the most. He said, command your fastball. you got four different areas you can throw it. If somebody gets on you, starts timing you, change location. You know, uh, go to maybe throw in. I mean, if he starts time, you get it in there a little further. You know, let him know you're not afraid to come in. If not, then, then go away because you got command where you can do that. You're not just throwing it down the middle. Then you know the guys you're facing in high school, you can sort of see it in their eyes sometimes. Uh, they don't want to be in there. So, so then so you just go – I mean, you can go right at them because they have no chance. So you in know, high school, so what I mean? percentage did you throw fastballs? And pretty much was a four-seamer? No, it was a two-seamer I threw all the time. That's the way I was taught. They said it could move more. Yeah. I mean, so my ball always wanted to do it. I could never sink it. But I always had that run in the four-seamer. I had, you know, in the big leagues, is what I threw here. I ended up throwing it better. It was livelier, mm. it seemed to be. So in high school, what percentage did you throw that two-seamer? Oh, I might, I'd run into that hitter – Couple hitters in the lineup, I might throw a couple breaking balls in the game. Rest on fastballs. Okay, so and, then I mean, if I threw 100 pitches, 90 to 90, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So then yeah. you get or, drafted. Or fastballs, because I, I mean, I threw every inning, seven innings, and right. So you then you get drafted the, by the Braves. Yeah, first round. Oh, which, by the way, what you said yes to that. We had Phil Goslin in here the other day, uh-huh. and uh, he. He got drafted by the Braves. I mean, yeah. weren't you offended that you were going to Atlanta and having to be around all those Atlanta Braves fans? Now that you're, oh, bro, now that you're I got a something to say guy. about that. There, there are a bunch of front-running fans if I've never Thank seen you. one. I, I have, uh, and I was down there when, because I knew. And there yet were, you there took were 15, their money. You were, took their money. Well, yeah, I did. <laughs> money grubbing. But I mean, when I saw them, when I played there. There were 1,500 fans in the stadium. Exactly. I mean, and I knew all of them by, almost by their first name. You know, <laughs> So I, I have no problem telling the fans that down there. Now, I never was um, – I, I mean, I, w- I didn't have a favorite team growing up because I didn't grow up really in, in, near a big city. So Atlanta was probably the nearest probably big closest, city. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but I, I grew up having favorite guys. I grew up seeing Bowen and Schmidt and them play in the 70s. And, and I mean, back then, and then the Yankees obviously were on Sunday game of the week and the Big Red Machine in Pittsburgh. So I had yeah. Pops and Johnny Bench and George Forster was one of my favorite guys. So who were yeah. some of the Braves yeah. in, the, in the system at that time coming through with you? Um, I had um, – uh, uh, Dave Justice was drafted in the same mm. draft I was. Um, Tom Glavin was a couple years ahead of me, uh, but we were right there together. Um, and uh, the team, the team I really uh, was made up of, uh, Mark Lemke, who killed us, killed, the Phillies. killed us, and Blouser. 
Another killer. Sure, I come up, played with Blouser, Blouser down there. Um, I mean, in the minor leagues, but Lipke, Blouser, Justice, Gant. Brian Jordan? Was uh, he, was no, he? Brian. Brian come from St. Louis. Oh, that's right. Um, yep. uh, Gant was there. Um, Shine. Who else? Obviously, Avery, Smoltz. When he got traded over, I played with and um, Glavin, um, Merker. Um, I mean, basically, basically all the guys that were uh, Stanton, the yeah. reliever. He was. Uh, yeah, that was. He a was a big. I mean, team. he was a big attribute to them when he when he come through. The, he, I'm talking about a guy that flew through the system. Yeah, a left-handed really. He flew through the system. So when you came to the Philly, did you see it in a, as an opportunity? Oh God, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read. I mean, I tell uh, me and Brazier's talked about it too. Um, ma- uh, the maturation process uh, of, of young guys in the organization. Some guys, I mean, they they do it at different times. I mean, and then sort of we're, you know, and it doesn't matter what age you are. I mean, it, some people bloom later than you know, than others, or early, or whatever, and uh, that was one of my things. I think I, I mean, in some aspects, I, uh, as a human being, I was mature, but in other aspects, you know, uh, baseball-wise, instead of getting it how it needs to be done. Mm. I mean, not being so gullible, playing with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a little bit, a little vinegar in your blood. That was what I needed. Mm. Um, and, and, I could, and I could read the, the writing on the wall, yeah, wall yeah. too. I was starting to get pushed back a little bit because I wasn't consistent enough. And it comes back to I said to Brazier, the biggest statement I heard this year by one of their young pitchers was, "I'm going to do it. I'm going back to do it my way a little bit." And that was Eflin when he said, "Going yep. back to the two seamer." That was sort of me. It got to the point where I said, "I told them." Uh, after they said, we want you to do this and not do this, I said, well, I'm, t- I'm going to make it easier. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's about me now. Well, and you pitched and when I did that, I was okay. I yeah. was all right. I got that little bit of vinegar in me, and I did what I thought I needed to do, and it worked out. And you had two great pitching coaches. You had Leo Mazzoni, and yes. then you had Johnny Padres. Yes, I did. I, I mean, Bruce Del Canton with the Braves, too, made an impact on me, too. I mean, the sh- very short time I was with him. Um, you know, with the different pitches that I threw with the slider, I threw. Leo taught me how to throw it. It was like bedrock slider, and I mean that's a true slider. It's not trying to do too much with it, and uh, and so that's that was the big inst- uh, the big thing with me. They wanted me to throw the curveball. I didn't have that power curveball like they were looking for. I couldn't. I just didn't get it. And and I don't know if it was causing my shoulder and arm and, and that type of thing, but uh, but the slider was the big key to me. And when I made and Bruce Dow Kenton wanted me to throw it. But Bobby and them made the decision. They said, no, we want to – then when they sit me down one time and they said, well, we don't want you to throw the slider, we want you to throw the curveball. And I told my manager, he said, you go back and get on the phone. You tell them I'm going to throw what the bleep and I want to throw. <laughs> All right, you one, know? Of, one of the things in Major League Baseball going on right now is obviously pitch counts and then that, that opens up a whole other things. Yeah. Tell the story about uh, Johnny Padres and uh, pitch counts <laughs> with uh, Fregosi. There was one night uh, – uh, Jim is t- t- told the story. Yeah, I mean, Jim Fagosi, um, that uh, he uh, he was. It was. I don't know if I was pitching. I think Shield might have been pitching. Uh, it d- didn't really matter. And it was in that time of the game where you know, uh, you know, he, Jimmy wanted to know sort of what the pitch count was. If you know, not that he really cared you know, too much uh, because we didn't keep it on the scoreboard like they do here, and it wasn't in everybody's view. Padres just had a clicker, and Padres was the type of pitching coach. I mean, he wanted to take care of his guys. You know, so if you were pitching well, and when Fagosi asked him how many pitches you got, instead of saying ninety, he'd say eighty. 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> Fudge a little bit. And if you were struggling a little bit and you had 90, 95, 100 pitches, he did, or 90 pitches, he'd say 100 or 105. Yeah, it makes yeah. you feel good. It makes you feel good. <laughs> he, was, he always tried to take care of you a little right. bit in what he did. And, and, Jimmy, and Jimmy would just take it with a grain. He, he, he said, I asked him just because I wanted him to be doing something. <laughs> he said, because my eyes tell me what I needed to know, and that's all I was going to do. He, he, he said, I was just asking him just to, to keep him involved. And, and what, about, what about the story with Padres and Schilling in uh, Cincinnati? Oh, Cincinnati? Yeah. Oh, man, that was hilarious, too. It was one of those times where Schild uh, necessarily have his best location going that day and, um, and or command. And, and Cincinnati, as you know, it's like, you know, I mean, well, it's like teeing up a Titleist yeah, at home plate and I mean, hitting with a driver, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it just flies out of that joint. Well, in that old stadium, I mean, every time there's a home run hit, the the cannon goes off, fireworks, boom, fireworks. it goes up. And, uh, well, Schilling went in and he goes out there. And he, I mean, he's pitching and he gives up a home run. The cannon goes off, right? Boom. Next batter, he gets up there, throws a couple pitches, boom. And there's another guy, boom. Okay. Pods comes out there. Shilling's chapped out there. You know, he's out there. He's, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, this is the what the Dutch and Ips, Dutch said. And Pod said when he come back, he asked him what he come. He said, um, and uh, and he said, Pods, what are you doing? I'm mean, what you doing out here? The clean version, right? And he said. He said, all I'm doing is trying to give a chance for the cannon guy to reload. Reload. <laughs> <laughs> the way you're, the way oh, you're pitching. You, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I thought Dutch was going to die. You could see it laughing. At, I mean, turn around. It kind of broke the air a yes. little bit. I mean, yes. and, and after that, he pitched better. You know, it was that type of thing. He gave up like two or three home runs. and I mean, but I mean, after that, he pitched better. I've seen that work before where down in the minor leagues with the Braves, we had a guy named John Miserock, who you know used to be in the organization here as a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, he was our catcher at Richmond. Kent Merker was a pitcher one time uh, in AAA, and Kent was struggling out there. And, throwing, and I saw I saw Rock go out there in, in, in Richmond. It was down in Richmond with the AAA. And, and he goes out there and talks to him, and Kent starts laughing. And uh, and then after that he d it was like it was a different dude out there pitching. It was like this, I mean Nolan Ryan went out there, and we asked him later. I mean after the game he said what what did he say to you? He said he just couldn't come here. He said look over my right shoulder. You see that girl, that blonde haired girl sitting in the third row? I'm going out with her tonight. <laughs> you know just breaking the ice, right. talking yeah, about something ice. relative. Yeah. You know I what I mean or something like that. And, and he just started laughing and and it's some of the simplest thing to break tension and. I mean, talking about tension and, and things in life, that, and then everything gets better. Well, you, you get that the, tension out of your life, and you get better. You yeah. had the perfect team then. Good segue to yeah. 1993. Now, uh, we have to ask you. My first question is, did you ever sleep over in the clubhouse with Cruck or L.A.? Did oh, you ever have a sleepover uh, Matter of fact, both guys? of them. I didn't sleep near them, <laughs> you know, like they did. They tend to huddle up in the training room. I don't know what was, they, what was going on there. At the vet or on the road, T? I know in San Francisco they'd sleep over. I know at the vet they would. Crocky, I think, as far as I knew, this time he'd sleep basically anywhere. Yeah, you know, he'd stay here and on the road. Um, but I knew, I, I know, because I knew the, me and LA, want me and LA and Crocky one time slept over in uh, in uh, San Francisco because we had a yeah. night game, then a, a early day game, yes. a real early one, like a twelve oh five start. Or and something. the fact is, the guys used to have a, a pop or two after the game, talk about the game. Uh, so pop maybe, with the foam on top. Yeah, that's it. With the foam on top, and you wouldn't get out of the clubhouse till the wee hours. So it's like, hey, oh, yeah. why not just sleep over? Well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, the reason I looked like that because it was like, 
it was at least where we stayed at at Old Candlestick Park. Yeah. I mean, it was out there, like in between Oakland yep. and, and downtown Frisco. I and mean, then we had to go all the way down downtown Frisco to where we stayed at. I was it was like 35, 40 minute drive, and it was like. No, I mean, I got to be back here at nine. I got a side session to throw games at twelve oh five. We got to get. I mean, it's already one two in the morning. Sure, you know at least. You hot know, do- I mean, or, hot dogs for breakfast, and you were good no. To go. it, it, back, that, <laughs> back then, it was what was his name? Harvey. Harvey was the clubhouse guy. It was chilly. Oh, oh God, ouch. all things. He oh. used to keep a thing of chili up there, which, was, I mean, <laughs> so the old adage. You did not have a nutritionist uh, <laughs> no, back in 1993. No, and it was, I mean, you didn't want to come in that clubhouse that much, you know. <laughs> but but, it, but the old adage, the coldest day ever spent was a summer's eve in San Francisco, yeah, is no lie. Candlestick I mean, especially. It was no lie in that joint. And where were you at 442 in the morning, July 2nd, when 1993? Where were you? I was in the, standing up on the – at that moment, when that happened, I was standing on the top step of that dugout. I oh, mean, were you, the bench. The you were in the video room? I might have been. Yeah, I was in the video room. Okay. I was. I mean, I was stuffed like that, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it seems like I could see the clock, but I, it seems like I was sit, standing right on, I mean, because they showed it from the dugout. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then you and, rushed out on the field. Oh, yeah. Going, we, were yeah. All, we were all going. You're right. I mean, I was yeah. there. I was in that game, I, not, but not as a pitcher. Oh. I was there as a pitch runner at one time. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. How about that? So, and, uh, and who gave you the nickname Jethro? That was Leo Mazzoni back with oh, nineteen. So Atlanta. Yeah, huh. back in nineteen eighty six when when I met my beautiful wife, Wendy. Our, it was that year our I got studio it. Studio audience is yeah. Wendy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. what's up, Wendy? I got it. I got it. Uh, and, and Leo gave it to me. And I remember the day, one of the day, uh, almost the day he said it to me, and and I sort of got. A, I was offended by it, and. And he and he kind of got that it was chapping me, mm-hmm. and so he let me stew on it. And and I mean I didn't like it. You know I didn't come right out and say it because of, I mean he was my pitching coach and and I didn't want to rub things the wrong way. I wasn't that type of guy anyway. But uh, and then it was about two weeks later after you know he kept doing it and everybody was like it was just he could see it was eating me up. And he said, on one of my side says you want to know why we call I call you Jethro. He says, you're a big, strong, raw, bone country boy. He said, it'd probably kill all of us and break us in half if you ever got mad at us. He said, you're just you're just like him. Yeah. He, you know, he said, you're not like – I took it that being you know, Jethro, Jethro Bodine is a little bit on – seemed like the slow side. Yeah, right, and right. that's what I thought he was right, saying, right, right, you right, know. Right. And, and that bothered me. Yes. And I told him, he said, that's so far from – the, so what did, I that, was. That, did that carry over to the Phillies then? It, but, you know, once you don't like something, somebody yeah, gives you right. a name, it's going to stick. And well, that yeah. stuck. Man, it's like they, Izzy, you know. They, they, they call him names. Yeah, and then yeah, all of a Dahmer. Sudden, Dahmer, yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, you <laughs> oh, know, it, it brought the clubhouse and, together. And then you right? learned to yeah. like it. And he liked it. He, he learned. It. I mean, he did right off the – he was like, you know, I don't think he liked it right off the bat. Then all of a sudden, you know, he kind of – he saw what was happening and then he knew what it was. And it was the same thing with me. And it sort of – it kind of come here because I met Cruck before I come here because him and Leo Mazzoni were friends uh, up near Kaiser where Cruck grew up in Rawlings, Maryland, which is right across the border within a mile and a half or so. Uh, so I met Cruck one winter up there. I went and saw Leo because I didn't live too, too awful far from Richmond to there. And I uh, met Cruck. And then when I got here, he call, I mean, he call, he called me Jethro some. Right. And then he switched to Greeny. He called me Greeny all the time about that. But the guy who called me was Murphy, Dale. Ah, Dale, Dale, Dale Murphy, Dale Murphy yeah. called me. Because I come from Atlanta. And yeah. I was the only guy that really ever called me Jethro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I knew if somebody did 
call me that I played. I mean, I, I'd hear I hear it on the field or something. Jethro and I knew somebody I played with the Braves or was a yeah. coach with the Braves. Yeah. Bobby Wine used to call me Jethro. Oh, okay. I mean, still, I mean, still when he sees me. So yeah. who Even when he was in a Mets dugout with, you know, with, with Dallas. He, with Dallas, he would call me Jethro. This is going to be a hard question. Out of that, for the 93 team, who was craziest out of these three back then? Dykstra, Kruk, Hollins. Who was the craziest out of those three? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, legitimate. <laughs> whatever whatever your definition I mean, of the crazy guy did, is. I mean, the crazy and having well, dual personalities and stuff Williams like that. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. Dual personality. Right. I mean, I mean uh, your definition of crazy. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> certifiable. dual person, certifiable. I mean, maybe dual personality crazy had to be Hollins. Exactly. I mean, because yeah. there was two dudes there. Yeah, there, two. there was two dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, I want that guy in my foxhole. Yeah. I mean, because he would be, I mean, yeah. I love that guy. Um and you know who might have been crazy, too. it's so too. funny because Dave is now crazy the too. nicest, like, he is. He's quiet, very Oh, hey, nice. hey John, how are awesome. you? Yes. Larry Anderson. That guy right there. That guy right there. put Larry Anderson in there? He was the, he was the sleeper. You know, I mean, it's, we all know Mitch has got a screw loose. He's left-handed yeah. and, you know, everything uh, else. But that guy's a sleeper. Yeah, as, yeah. as Larry Anderson says about himself, the wheel is spinning, but the hamster is dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So, Tom, let's take back. Let's go back into time to, obviously, we've talked about this a lot on the radio show. But this is, you know, one of your big moments in 1991, yeah, right? Yeah. 1991, May. Uh, you have your, I think it's like your 11th start. Or something right? like that. Major yeah. League career. Yeah. And you throw a no-hitter in Montreal. Montreal, huh? Which, of all places. <laughs> Bernie, mean, Bernie Perrault. Right. We just we just had Bernie on. But, like, how about that in Montreal? Like, the, tell me about that day. Like, how did – like, what was the night before? Did you get a good night's sleep? Did you, you know – Well, you how, never get sleep you know, in Montreal. Did you, did you the bullpen, did you think that – That's bullpen, a good town. Did you think – like, when you took the bullpen, did you think that maybe this is going to be a special day? Did you have special stuff? Like, what, tell us about well, that day. Okay, just the day in general. Um, I, I got sorry. I knew I was going to start, and – and why I'm saying that is that I started the year in the pen. I was the long guy. I made the team out of spring training. Um, and Pods wanted me to be a starter. But Nick Leva was the manager there, wanted uh, Dave LaPointe to be in the rotation, being a left-hander, a veteran guy, crafty left-hander, two, diff two diff uh, different dudes, a lefty, crafty lefty, and a power right-hander. And uh, Pods wanted me. I had a great spring, probably a better spring than I mean, of anybody in camp. And uh, and, he, and Nat Lava wanted me to start the season and uh, I mean, be in the pen, be the long guy. So I was stretched out and, and coming out of spring training to be a starter. So when I got in the pen, I knew I was going to be a long guy. We had a young, we had a young staff with Grimsley, Combs, and De Jesus, and Terry was there, Mahalan, and I'm trying to remember the last guy, but um, but it's irrelevant. But bottom line, I had more innings. Than all the starters after the first month of the season, other than Terry Mulholland. Mm -hmm. That shows you how we were going, and I'm the long guy out of the pen, right? Yep. So we weren't doing very well. And uh, and by that time, during that time, uh, Labor got fired, Fagosi took over, right? And uh, and then I think we got Danny Cox come in, or, uh, or he might have started the season. I can't remember how that worked, or we got him. He was in the rotation. And then he got he pulled a growing or pulled something. And Fagosi come to me. He says, "All right, you're gonna have three starts, um, probably. You know, for the next three, for definite, probably." And uh, and I'd made one spot start before for Jose De Jesus with back spasms about 20 minutes before the game was supposed to start. They okay, you got to pitch. You know, mm -hmm. pitched well. And uh, but that day, my first game of the three that Fagosi told me I was going to pitch was in Montreal. Mm. 
And so I come out of the pen, basically to start, and I threw a no-hitter that day. And that day wasn't no space because I treated uh, – um, I've told this story before in the fact that I learned a lot about being in the bullpen. I learned a lot from watching, I mean, quality guys from the year before and stuff or, the, uh, that, or down there, you know, when I was that month, a month and a half I was in the pen from Roger McDowell mm-hmm. and Mitch and Joe Baver, Darrell Ackerfelds, the guys who did it for a living and took, they took time to kind of help me. But the, And also the, one of the biggest influences was Irish, Mike Ryan. Uh, of how to take care of yourself and how to prepare yourself each day to be, cause even though I was a long guy, you got to be prepared every day, and you got to be fr- try to be as fresh as you can every day. Uh, but that's the way I'd, I approached that game as more as a reliever in the fact that I was going to go as hard as I could. I mean, my my emotions and my channel my aggressiveness as hard as I could. You know, and, and I mean, not trying to overthrow or anything like that, but be uh, give what I got, and, to, and when I run out of gas, that's what you know somebody else's turn to come in if that happens. So, but I always prepared myself to you know hopefully go nine innings, yeah. and that's the way I approached it, and and the way the game started because we got two two anthems to uh, our anthem, the U.S. anthem, our American, uh, and then the Canadian national anthem. Uh, I threw the first pitch at the beginning of, uh, of ours. And I was sitting in the dugout by the time theirs was finished because <laughs> I was yeah. loose. Yeah. I mean, and I knew what to took me to get loose. Yeah. You know, I probably threw 25, fa- 20, 25 fastballs, a couple sliders that were there. And I said, okay, that's because everything worked off the fastball. And I was yeah. loose and I was ready to go. And I said, it's time to go. And it was a 1235 getaway day. And that's the way it started. And, uh, and, and the game went. And, and, and there it was. And were you like and, and in a zone? Was, like, were you in a zone? Like, were you were just – Well, I mean, obviously I walked a lot. You all saw that. But seven, I didn't – I walked seven guys. But it was a one nothing game to the ninth. And I, and I kept hearing – How many pitches had you thrown going into the ninth? Because if you had seven walks, you probably were up to 130 or so. I, see, I went one, two, three in the ninth. So, I, I, I struck out Galarraga. Walker hit a ground ball to short, I think, or a chopper just uh, – it was a breaking ball that he hit, chopped into the dirt, and and then Wallach hit the ground ball back to me. So I didn't throw that many pitches. I probably ended up with 135. So I probably started with like 120 hmm. some, mm-hmm. which is you know. Which in this day and age you wouldn't even but, get and to. I struck, yeah, right. And, and, and I struck in. I mean, struck out 10. I walked a lot, but I kept hearing Vuk's voice a little bit because he led the scouting meeting. He said, he said the guys, he said we we don't want Calderon and Wallach. To get his, to get their arms extended, you know, out of place. So when we go to make, if, no matter what the county, we, we, we want to try to get them out here. Yeah, yeah. you know, because they were off the plate a little bit, and if you, they, if mm. you, you, you messed around, yeah, and left it on the inside corner too much, I mean, they'd bang you up. You yeah, know, so you Darren, had to make a pitch. Darren Fletcher was a catcher. Darren Fletcher was, uh, and, and so I walked both of those guys twice. You know, on three two pitches that you know they probably moved. to it didn't really look like he moved moved the mitt that much. I mean, it just they were right there, bang bang, yeah. and I just didn't give in to the you know the, to the to the hitter because we were down one nothing. I mean, we were up one nothing, and and one swing of the bat changes the ball game. I knew I'd be gone. And you know? the, the game ends, you get mobbed, and then 
The Canadian yeah. Prime Minister called you, yes, Tommy. Yes, it was. I thought, I thought I was a special guy that day. <laughs> all right, so what, you got to tell that story. Well, I mean, a small clubhouse, and uh, and there was all kind of stuff going on. You know, obviously, the pop with the foam on top's going real good. Nice. And, I mean, it, it's, it, I mean, the place is having a great – it's a getaway, getaway day. day yeah. Everybody's trying to take hey. showers and get ready. The beer's still flowing, and everybody's yeah. just in a great mood. And and, uh, and, and and I called my wife, at, uh, or I thought it might have been my wife at the time. You got a phone call. I said, who – I mean, I don't know how the devil she find out how to get here, you know, or whatever. I didn't know who it was, you know. And uh, so he carried me to the to the back, and uh, the, and, and I went to the uh, one of the offices. I think it might have been the clubhouse guy's office, the head guy. And uh, I went and got on the phone, and I hear this thick accent, French accent on, on, on the thing. And, and I started talking. He said, you know, this is Prime Minister. Uh, do your French voice. <laughs> was it Trudeau? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who it was. But he said, this yeah, yeah. is uh, Prime Minister. I said, yeah. "Oh, sir, how are you doing?" You know, yeah, we yeah. carried on a conversation like it was, you know, yeah. the president, you know, or, or whatever. It, it was like awesome. The, did it sound like the French guy up in the castle in Monty Python? The <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Hello, oh, this is the castle oh, Louis Le <laughs> or Inspector Clouseau. Was it Inspector Clouseau? Oh, no, the cu- <laughs> so, so, Tommy, who, who was it? If it wasn't the Prime Minister, who, who was it? Ended it ended up being the head clubhouse guy. Is that, oh, is that oh, right? It ended up being, and who who did all that and set all this up? It was the only person on that team did. You probably could thought of to do it was Roger McDowell. Roger McDowell. Because I said Larry Anderson. Larry wasn't on the team, but Larry he was always was. thinking. Yeah, yeah, Roger yeah. McDowell was Roger. always. You had to oh. know where that guy was at all the time. <laughs> but that's how that happened, and that was such. I mean, it was. Uh, they laughed, and I mean, how was I supposed to know? It was a guy with a. I mean, I'd, well, the funny thing is, first of all, it was Brian Mulroney, who I don't think was from the French side of Canada. Yeah, right. I don't know what it was. But, but that's even funnier that some guy with a French accent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. One of the funniest things that then, I mean, that day that day went great. People always asked me about it. You know, I had three no hitters in the minor leagues through the Brave system: one in A ball, one in double A, one in triple A. That I, they had two outs, two strikes on the last guy, uh-huh. and lost all three uh, of them. And lost them. And lost them. Gave up base hits, but still you, had to shut out. You brought it up. But uh, but uh, and then people asked me what I was thinking of that day. You know, I thought about um, before I got up on that the the last out yeah. was the one against Wallach. I thought of Liam Mazzoni. Because he always asked me the last time I was with him, he said, "When are you gonna finish one of these bleeping things off?" You know? <laughs> I mean, just just give me a hard yeah. time, you and know. You did that and day. I thought of Leo that day. I said, "All I knew is I wasn't going two strikes unless he fouled off two strikes right down the middle." Right. Because I went at him, he hit a ground ball, one hopper back to me. That was probably one of the better balls hit all day, other yeah. than Hassey hit a one hopper to. You know, Wally Backman right at him. You know, so and that was I mean, that. no diving plays. They tried to bunt a couple times. No. Yeah. No, no, uh, no diving plays. No, it was just one of those weird days. Hey, in '93, what was the better party? Clinching in Pittsburgh uh, after that game in the uh, the National League East, or the uh, clinching at home at the Vet against the Braves? What was both, the better part? Both of them were special. Both of them were special. But, but to me, it always stands Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh when we clinched there. Was the correlation of a whole season mm. to get into the postseason to yep. give us a chance? Uh, as a season's worth of work. Yep. And and that was a good that was a good night. <laughs> I was supposed to pitch the next day, but I didn't. Oh no! Yeah, I forgot <laughs> you I gave didn't. me the day off. <laughs> yeah. Were you banged up? Oh, banged up. I said, you, I said, I told him, I said, you can pitch me as one. I, I said, I'm not going to be sleeping too much tonight, pal. <laughs> you know. So who started? Who started that next I game? I think, uh, God bless his soul. I think. Uh, <laughs> 
No, Who legitimately, took the hit? Kevin yeah. Foster. Okay. Kevin Foster. Kevin, Kevin pa- has passed uh, away since. You oh, know, how about that? Yeah, he was with the Cubs mm. for some years uh, after that. He ended up a good, great young man. Yeah, mm. the, Kevin started, and I think Mike Williams pitched some that okay. day. He was yeah. that was when Mike was young, and yeah. uh, and then uh, I pitched some the next day because they wanted they wanted us to keep you know, keep obviously they didn't want us bang us up and I pitched like five innings or something the next time I pitched okay. and then they were getting ready to get ready to go into the playoffs. The playoffs so. yeah, but uh, that was one of those things. Uh, it is funny that that era back then is so different from now. Now it's become so professional and, you know, nutritionist and taking care of yourself and all that. Boy. And, and, and now, like, the one story just that you just reminded me of was the dude. When the dude was told he's got a night off on Saturday night, that don't worry, you're not going to play in the game on Sunday. <laughs> and then I think Milt got hurt or something. I and that. then, and then Milt had to play in the game. So tell Eric, that story. Eric Gregg was catch. I mean, he umpiring. was umpiring behind umpiring, the plate. Yeah. And it's a thousand degrees on that turf on a Sunday. I mean, you know, yeah. being the best fan of Fanatic, you know how hot it gets it on gets that a turf. Toasty. It gets no toasty's not a word <laughs> before it. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's just horrible out there. And dudes, I mean, like leading the game off. And, and again, he thinks he's he was he went out the yeah, night before. No, play. And, I mean, I mean, he's and he walks in that day, and you can just tell he's wearing his shades and stuff. He, there's something a little bit different about it. He, he he was out last night, you know, whatever. It's something a little bit different. Had a, he might be just coming in, and uh, he, he gets up and he he finds out he's playing. He's already chapped anyway, and that he is playing because he thought he had the day off. You know, dude played hard all the time. He'd get banged up, and I mean, I mean, they were trying to give him a day off, but it just didn't happen because somebody else got hurt. And uh, uh, he, he he gets in his first AB, and I mean, it's just sweltering out there. And uh, and there's a close pitch or whatever. The dude dro- it looks and comes at and starts yelling at Eric Gregg. And Eric Gregg just lets him go. I mean, you, and, and I just knew Ralph. I said he should have already been gone and rung. And what Eric Gregg told him, he says, he said, you can say whatever you want. He says, if I got to be out here in this heat, you're gonna stay out here in this heat. He didn't toss him all time. <laughs> did, did not toss him. He did not. He did not toss him. And I'm talking dude through every. I mean, we you remember how the vet was. We were right on top. You could hear everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and he just threw everything at him that he could, and it did not work. He said if you, he knew what he was trying to do. And <laughs> you will play. If he I got to be out here, he, so probably, he, out here. he probably smelled him. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, for coming up there, he said, oh, he wants out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh, I see what you're doing over there, Johnny. All right. Tommy, oh, you brought out some. This do you, is the trivia do quiz, Tommy. Yeah. Do you know that for every guest, we do a quiz? And the quiz is uh, it's always revolved around your the, the person's interest. So you have a, a a good chance. You have an insider's chance to do very well here. Insiders. There's eight questions. It is multiple choice, so you'll have that. And if he gets six out of eight, I think he does. He win the PGW uh, 20,000. 2020 fathead schedule they were given away on Sunday to all fans for fan appreciation day. Tommy wins two of them because one of them goes to Wendy. Ah, <laughs> all right. So Wendy that. will no, get the fathead to... calendar and tickets to the game on Sunday. <laughs> there you hey, go. How about that? All right. Ready for your first one? Here we go. All right. You are from Whiteville, North Carolina, right? Correct. Uh, which of these celebrities is not from Whiteville? Mm-hmm. Okay. A, former NFL player Chester McLaughlin. B, Scott Dawson, professional WWE wrestler. C, Nipsey Russell from Match Game 76. And Chris Wilcox, (laughs) former NBA player. (laughs) Say the middle two again. You got me laughing. Chester McLaughlin, Scott Scott Dawson, a wrestler. I can't even say Nipsey Russell. (laughs) 
It's got to be Nipsey <laughs> Russell. Nipsey <laughs> Russell is correct. I, I had Sippy I'm like, I, I always I, had Sippy Russell. That's right, because Donaldson died. I mean, I, I didn't know the Russell. But I kind of figured that out Either, because Chester yeah. McLaughlin was and, the, and Wilcox was. Nipsey Russell that. and Soupy Sales. I always say Soupy Sales, but I just, I just added Nipsey Russell as my new one. <laughs> Nipsey. All right, I number said, two. I never heard of Nipsey before. You're one for one. When you, when you threw the no-hitter, this is so funny because you already answered this kind yeah. of. When you threw the no-hitter against Montreal Expos in 1991, you yep. started because Danny Cox did what in his last start? A, pulled a groin. B, hurt his rotator cuff. C, tweaked his elbow. D, pulled a calf muscle. Uh, groin. You are correct. How about that? Little did he know that was going to be in there. All right. Well, you, groin is usually not the answer to any question, but, uh, right. you know, for a trivia, this is supposed to be a professional I mean, podcast. Because I pulled a groin pitching, too. I mean, it's not fun, man. All right. Oh, my gosh. Number three. You are two for two. Number three, when you threw the no-hitter, mm-hmm. which expo was not in the lineup that night? Okay. Uh, a, Delano DeShields. B, Larry Walker. C, Dave Martinez. D, Andres Galarraga. Dave Martinez. That is correct. He is nice, three Dave. for three. Three for three, T. All right. In that same game, okay, who hit the triple in that game? One, there's one triple. Was it Von Hayes, Ricky Jordan, Wally Backman, or Dickie Thon? Oh, Ooh, he's got to think about this one. Mm. I'm well, saying Ricky Jordan. Ricky Jordan is correct. He is four for Tommy. four. Because I knew he had a good game. All day. right. Right now we are perfect. He had a home run too, I think. I'm thinking. I'm not sure though. In 1993, Inky and Dutch each had 24 home runs, yep. leading the team. Mm-hmm. Who was next with 19 home runs? Was it A. West Chamberlain? Was it B. John Cruck? Was it C. Dave Hollins or D. Lenny Dykstra? Hollins. It was the dude. Oh, what? Dude had 19. Okay. Hollins at 18. 18. So I knew it was close. That is close. All right. Looks like you've. Uh, you're good. You're good. You need to get uh, one of the next. No, right. Two of the next three. Now I know you're an Eagles fan, but you're you're you grew up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Yes. Right. Yeah. So who is the number one receiver in yards all time receiver for the Steelers in yards, receptions, and touchdowns? Is it Heinz Ward, Antonio Brown, John Stallworth, or Lynn Swan? Oh my God! You kill me. Number one receiver, and again, this threw me off because I don't think I would have gotten this right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 12,083 yards, 1,000 receptions, and 85 touchdowns. Again, Heinz Ward, A, B, Antonio Brown, C, John Stallworth, D, Lynn Swan. God, it's hard to go. I mean, think about the old days with Swan and Stallworth. Mm-hmm. I grew up. Listen, I, I, but I got it. Well, Heinz Ward played for a long time. Man, I'm, th- I'm going Heinz Ward. Heinz yeah, Ward is Ward. correct. That would have been I my guess. I don't know if I would have yeah. had that. And they, I mean, did, they didn't throw the ball as much back then. Those guys were yeah, good. That's what Stalwart I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, I remember I loved They were great. But yeah, but, they were great. But yep. I, 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 I just remember Heinz playing. And I, that yep. was one of the things, that, the receptions and stuff that he, he got so many. I was like. Yeah. All right. I just saw the good movie one. Ad Astra. I was going to say Harold Carmichael if he, who went <laughs> Eagles. Was that? He the Eagles. He's the all-time. So I just saw the movie Ad. This is number seven. I just saw the movie Ad Astra, which is Brad Pitt in the space movie, right? So okay. I had to throw a space movie in there only because I just saw Ad Astra. So okay. what are the only two sports to ever be played on the moon? Okay, Alan Shepard, I think, was the only two. Uh, played two sports on the moon. Was it A, tennis and volleyball, B, croquet and boxing, <laughs> so, sorry, C, oh, golf brother. and javelin, and D, <laughs> golf and equestrian. So, <laughs> <laughs> Golf and javelin. <laughs> so, what are you going with? Golf and, golf and javelin. Golf and javelin is correct. If you had picked golf and equestrian, <laughs> I, I really would have called you Jethro. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. Thank you. you. Got it correct. And then I think this is right in your wheelhouse. 
In Monty Python, the Holy Grail, the king of Swamp Castle said to his son Herbert, one day, lad, all this will be yours. What was Herbert's response? Was it A, but I don't want a castle, B, I can't afford the taxes, C, is the moat included, or D? Uh, no, the curtains. <laughs> what the curtains is correct. <laughs> Tommy curtains? Green, seven Dang. for eight. You're going to Fan Appreciation Day. You're gonna, <laughs> there it is, you and Wendy. That's awesome. How about that? <laughs> he did very well. Oh, no, the curtain, not the curtain. He answered it with an accent. That's yeah. a first on the podcast. <laughs> it is. Well, the curtains. We've had that uh, that, that yeah, we, movie thinking that been in our head for the last, yeah, since the, he turned 50. Yeah, the Greens uh, came to my 50th uh, celebration in Costa Rica, and I think we must nice. have uh, would have recited uh, Monty Did Python. you watch it? Him yeah, and one of his good friends, Dave Ibigan. Yeah, Ibigan, like we were, we were just Quoting. for some reason that scene was just <laughs> it stuck in our and we got and it got laughing happy too. I mean, it was just something we couldn't stop yeah. laughing. And if you ever want to see something scary, um, we did the the highest and the longest um, zip line in Costa Rica, which is saying a lot because Costa Rica is like the the capital of zip lining. They had this, it literally had been open for 10 days, okay? As and there's one like of his friends he went to college with. And there's like seven different lines. Well, the one line, like the big line. It's a dual line. It's gotta, a dual line. Yeah, you got to get up on a, in a van. You got to go up this this mountain that was Eight 80 stories, stories high. Wow. And there oh was no tre- and there's no trees or anything down below. It's a canyon. No, and it you was gotta, down below. Oh, yeah. You, so you got to go. Because it was a canyon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's, but there's no, it's not like you're over like right over the treetops. No, it's like 80 stories high to the ground. And so you had to go super. Superman style. You couldn't even go like That's sitting crazy. down. You had to go like a bullet, like you know, like parallel to the ground, head first. Nothing in front of you except for everything in front of you. We, we follow. We follow. <laughs> Here's what they did that day. They follow us off the bus. They whatever they. The, the, the safari wagon, whatever he took us up in, and uh, there was a few. And they had their the guys who worked the the, the lines. They were there to help you, obviously, get you strapped in and get get everything done. But we, as a group, we went there uh, and to do this ride. You know, they had a bottle of what? Rum. Uh, they had a bottle of rum. They tried to give you a cup. Wendy's Smart. had about five, I think. And, <laughs> no. uh, yeah. But he, Tommy was a guinea pig. I know. But, and I'm in the back of the line. I'm the tall guy in the back. And, and the guy says in the accent, hey, big guy, come here. Yeah. He made you go uh, so, first? You going, oh. He said, you going first. And this has been yeah. open for 10 days. Yeah. He said, you go first. And I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, and so I get in, and the good thing about it, the guy who owns the stuff, uh, Lee. Lee Lee Banks, because uh, it's a dual line, one beside each other. He got he was riding beside me, right. in the other line. So we were going together. So, not that that was going to help anything, because if my because I'm <laughs> yeah, the bigger, exactly. I'm he's, the biggest guy out there, and, and weighed the most. Right. Make you feel better when and, you're going and down. Weighed the most, so the people was like, okay, if something happens, you know, <laughs> Tommy's the tester. If it don't break under yeah. him, we're good. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't go down. We finish the bottle of rum and, and take a take a drive yeah. back down to the canyon. But I tell you what, but I tell you what, that was one of the funnest. I mean, rides. It brings me back to a phrase I probably can't I can't say on air, but Armageddon when they took off in the in the rockets yes. going up. And talking about this as a kick blank ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that it was. was. <laughs> Highly recommended. It was. Well, you know it what? was that, very, very, uh, it was awesome. This is a tremendous segue in how I wanted to uh, wrap it up, Tommy, because we're going on the Phillies vacation in yes. January. Oh, man, I can't uh, wait. Yeah, we're going to Cancun. Uh, it's it's a great trip. We uh, It's going to be an alumni trip this year. So it's uh, you, Tommy. Uh, we got John Cruck, Greg Lazinski, Mickey Morandini, Larry Boa, Scott Palmer. Uh, uh, I think Charlie, is Charlie going? I'm not sure. I, I think. I think, oh, Charlie. I think Charlie's, Charlie is Charlie's going. going. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, and I know there's still spots available. 
yeah. we're going to Cancun. Uh, it's five nights, I believe, yep. right? A Tuesday yep. to a Sunday. Had a second week in up. January. Just go to phillies.com. Look up Phillies Vacations. Uh, yep. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, these vacations going to be a blast. If, if anybody's never went on one, uh, 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 this, especially with this crew that's yeah. going this year, yes. they got to go. There may be a story or two to tell. When can, we, can we do our podcast there? Because I'm not invited <laughs> right now. That's my only way in. Well, I don't know. Well, if Brooks Rob goes, Brooks has got to go. Brooks, you're yeah. going to Cancun, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? We got to bring this thing to a wrap. It's our last show of the season, everybody. Oh, so, man, uh, hey, T, awesome. Uh, thank thanks, me, for, thanks for letting me be a bookend. Thanks for, that's speaking. right. Wendy, yeah. thanks for being in our audience. Rob Brooks, you were outstanding all year. You pushed every right button. You, you didn't. <laughs> I tell you Literally. what, you really crushed it. <laughs> and, John, thanks, and thanks to uh, Melissa for the cover shoot. Thanks to Skip Denenberg for our theme song. Our theme song again, right. yes. All our great guests. It's been a great year. We'll be back uh, spring training, uh, and we're going to be just as optimistic as we always are. Okay. And ready for I, another I, great I can season. be persuaded ahead, or team. be invited to be, you know, I can open it up next year and be the bookend. There it is. I like that. You heard it there. You're our first guest. Hey, hey, that would would be outstanding. Book it. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we will see you at the ballpark.